All right. Um, have you all been enjoying yourselves? Have you all been blessed? Have you felt like it was worth your coming? Praise God. Praise God. How many of you are excited to go home and begin to study the word of God like you've never studied before? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a word of prayer. And uh, this will be my last presentation here. Um, and what I want to do is uh, I want to take you yesterday uh, at, um, at the tent where we met over just over the way there. We, we discussed the big picture, how to study uh, the key to uh, truly getting deep into the word of God. And we discovered that that key was to exercise what? The mind. Exercise the mind so that the mind expands or is strengthened so that it is able to pick up the heavy things of the word of God. Amen? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to continue that study. We're going to now look at the small details. So yesterday we looked at the big picture and now we're going to look at the small detail of Bible study. And then I'm going to finish up, I'm going to close up by walking you through a study that I had just recently done, and I will just tell you my thought process as I was going through this study so that you can see, get a typical example of what it would be like to, uh, to go through a complete study in the Bible. Amen? All right, so let's have a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your mercy, your goodness, your grace. And Lord, we ask that as we continue to study and seek to, to dig deeper in your word, Lord, that you would expand and sharpen our minds, that we may be able to grab hold of the deep and wonderful things of the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Councils to the Churches, page 207. Read this statement yesterday, I want to read it again. As a means of intellectual training, the Bible is more effective than any other book or all other books combined. The greatness of its themes, remember that word? Theme, right? We've been talking about learning how to study by theme, okay? The greatness, the greatness of its themes, the dignified simplicity of its utterances, the beauty of its imagery, quicken and uplift the thoughts as nothing else can. No other study can impart such mental power as does the effort to grasp the stupendous truths of revelation. The mind thus brought into contact with the thoughts of the infinite cannot but expand and strengthen. So what do we want? We want our minds to what? Expand and strengthen. Expand and strengthen. And how did we learn that we were to do that? We learned that the mind expands and strengthens as we what? Contemplate the Word of God. And yesterday we learned that it's like exercising the mind. Exercising the mind. However, we also discovered that most Christians only stretch. Do you remember? We warm up. Five minute warm up and then we leave without ever exercising the mind. God wants us to exercise the mind and we must understand 
that if we want the mind to grow, we must exercise it as we would exercise a muscle. We must train the mind to dwell upon these incredible and grand themes. And so you may understand better the statement found in the, the, the Desire of Ages, page 83, where Ellen White says this, it would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour, a thoughtful minute, a thoughtful, <laughs> a thoughtful what? Hour. Now, this doesn't please, don't, you know, this doesn't mean 60, make sure you spend, it's, she's saying spend time, good time. Amen? Amen. It, it would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation, in what everyone? Contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. Have any of you ever tried to imagine heaven? I mean, think about it. Just read through the book of Revelation, chapter 21, 22, and think how much time you could sit, just sit, and just imagine heaven according to what you read. You think that you'd be finished in a minute? You think you'd be finished in five minutes? You think you might be there for some time? If you were truly to, to read Revelation 21, 22 and just sit there and focus upon the, 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 the images and just imagine this is what heaven is going to look like. Well, she says here, it would be well for us to do this. For one hour, contemplating the life of Christ, we should take it point by point, let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. As we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant, our love will be more quickened, and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. Do you want to be more deeply imbued with his spirit? Amen. The Bible says in Isaiah 26.3, that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind or, what's the margin? Imagination is stayed on thee. And here's what this means. That not only should we be Bible studying when we pray in our prayer time, we should also be Bible studying all day. Have you ever heard of that concept? All day Bible study? You say, but pastor, I have a job. <laughs> Listen, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee for an hour. Thou keep him in perfect peace whose mind is always stayed on thee. I want you to realize that you can be studying your Bible even when you don't have a Bible in your hand. Are you with me? And so when you read a story in the Old Testament, the story of the Exodus or some other story, it's not like, you know, when you shut the Bible, God shuts down. And when you open it, he opens up. No, 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 you read the story, you close the Bible, you finish your, your sit-down time, but as you go on throughout the day, you should constantly, you should be training the mind to constantly what? Meditate. You know what that means? It means you're exercising your mind the whole day. Let me tell you something, when I came out of the music industry, <clears throat> and I, was, uh, I went to work at, uh, at, why do I always get it mixed up? Target. <laughs> went to work at Target, 
And, uh, you know, if you would have, you know, if you would have seen me then, here's what you would have seen. Because I was putting out, you know, I was one of those, you know, boxes. I was taking boxes and unloading them and stacking the stuff in their right place. And I'd have a pad in my back pocket. So I'm stuffing boxes and then I'm like, oh, wow. I write down what the Spirit just gave me, put my pad back in my pocket, and then I go back to doing my work. And seriously, all day, while at work, I, it didn't matter what I was doing, my mind was constantly, and still is constantly, doing this. Here's why it's so important for you to, to, to read the Bible, is because God now has material in here that he can work with in an instant. God doesn't just want to work with you once you open the Bible. He wants to be able to work with you at any given time, at any given moment. Do you remember the great disappointment? You remember after that day when uh, the Bible talks about two of the pioneers and they're walking through the field? And suddenly one stops? Do you remember what happened? The, 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 the missing link suddenly came to him. It's like they began to connect. Why did they begin to connect? Because all the information was already where? Here. And so God in an instant was able to connect the points. So as you fill your mind with the word of God, Lord, I'm putting everything that I can in there. God is then able to work. You could be washing the dishes one day and suddenly somebody hears a dish drop and break. What happened? Oh, I just had a revelation. Sorry. <laughs> right? You, you follow that? Okay, so. Not only do we want to expand the mind, you know, kind of like when you exercise, you want to build muscle. But they tell you that when you build muscle, you also want to tone your muscle, right? You also want to burn fat. Uh, I'm going to put it in this context. Not only do we want to expand the mind, we also want to sharpen the mind. So expanding the mind says, man, I can see the big picture. Sharpening the mind goes, wait a minute, there's something in this verse here. You get that? With a sharp mind, you can look at the small what? Detail and begin to see things that a dull mind would not pick up. So we want a mind that expands, but also is sharpened. Amen? Amen? Manuscript releases page 73, volume 19. Here's what she says. Is there not enough in the great plan of redemption to engross every mind? A knowledge of this plan will not only educate and discipline the mind, but will attract, attract and sharpen the intellect. You want a sharp intellect? Want a sharp mind? She says meditate on this theme. She goes on to say, God would have us avail ourselves of every means of cultivating and strengthening our intellectual powers. We were created for a higher, nobler existence than the life that now is. The time is 
the time is one of preparation for the future immortal life. We, where can, where can be found grander themes for contemplation, a more interesting subject for thought than the sublime truths unfolded in the Bible? These truths will do a mighty work for man if he will but follow the, what they teach. But how little the Bible is studied. Every unimportant thing is dwelt upon in preference to its themes. If the Bible were read more, if its truths were better understood, we should be a far more in, enlightened and intelligent people. Listen to this next sentence. Angels from the world of light stand by the side of the earnest seeker after truth to impress and illuminate his mind. So, I believe that the most vital thing that we can do in the process of trying to learn how to study the Bible is to allow ourselves to be open to the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that will say, Stop right there. Read that again. No, read it one more time. The Holy Spirit is the one, I believe the problem is the Holy Spirit sometimes is yelling at us and we're so deaf that we don't hear him. And so he's trying to come close to impress certain truths upon our minds. But because of our dull minds, we read the scripture and we go, oh, must be nothing there. Keep going. And we keep reading. The most important thing we can do is to be open to the influence of the spirit of God. So once we are open to the influence of the Spirit of God. I want to share with you something. You know, Jesus says, uh, you know, the Bible talks about how uh, God's eye is on the sparrow. That he watches, he knows about the sparrows and he also cares about you. You know, that tells me that God is concerned about detail. Right? So while God created the universe and all this vast creation, he also is as focused upon the sparrow, the little things, the grass of the field. So we should, come, we should approach the Bible in that same way. Lord, I want to see the big picture, but also show me the what? The small detail. All right? So I'm going to give you a couple of very practical things very quickly, and then we're going to go into a study. Um, how many of you have a Bible uh, software program. Okay, how many of you do not have a Bible software program? How many of you have a Bible software program that you have to go online in order to use it? Anyone? Okay, some of you do. It looks like most of you have a Bible software program. If you have a computer, I want to suggest to you, I use eSword. Now, um, I love eSword. I have bought other Bible software programs for like $300, $400, and, you know, I just, eSword, which is free, to me, tops them all. Okay? And so, um, if you don't have a good Bible software program, or the one you're using, just kind of, you're not used to it, I would encourage you to uh, check out eSword, e-sword.net, I believe it is. And you can download it onto your computer. They have uh, many Bible translations. They have commentaries, dictionaries. Uh, all kinds of things. So that's what I would suggest. Um, 
that you do if you do not have a concordance, if you do not have a Bible, a Bible software program, I would encourage you to, uh, to check out eSword or some other program that, that you like. Uh, when you're reading the Bible, when you're reading the verse, be careful not to take anything for granted. Check everything. You know, what are some of the things you can check? I'm not, let me see if you can help me out. You're reading a verse. What are some of the things that you can look at when, you're, when you look at a verse and you say, okay, I'm going to begin. First of all, what's the first thing you want to do? Pray. Okay, pray. That's good. What can you do as well as pray? You just, you just missed the whole... <laughs> contemplate. <laughs> right? Let's take John 3.16 or any other verse and you might just say, you know what, I'm going to take this verse and I'm going to contemplate on this one verse for the next hour. Can you imagine that? Has anyone ever done that before? Anyone in here ever done that before? Raise your hand. Can you testify that at the end of that hour, you did not look at that verse the same way that you did at the beginning of the hour? Yeah? I'm telling you, it is an amazing thing. You think, how much can I get out of this for one hour? But the Word of God has this incredible expanding ability. The deeper you contemplate on the verse is the deeper it seems to get. So that you never exhaust the depth of the verse. Does that make sense? So if we approach the verse in this, you know, skimmingly type of way, I'm just going to skim this verse. Okay, I got it. I know what this means. You miss all the treasure that is underneath, underneath the surface. So we, we spend time meditating, contemplating that verse, looking at it from every angle. Now let me ask you, after you pray and, you're, and in your moment, of, in your time of meditation, what are some of the things you can do if you were to OB, have your Bible in front of you and you want to actually get into the study, you're contemplating, and you also want to look at some other things, what can you do as you're looking at the verse? Look at the context. You get a concordance, and what would you use that concordance for? To look up the words. Why would you want to look up the words? See how they're used elsewhere. See the meaning of the words. Let me tell you, there are times that are, for example, how many of you remember what we talked about yesterday with our Revelation 20? And uh, the angel coming and grabbing hold of, uh, of Satan. Remember we talked about that? And um, it was just interesting. I was, I was looking this up and I was like, I wonder what, you know, what word is used here, what the definition or what the Greek says for lay hold. What does Strong's uh, um, concordance say on this particular word? And when I looked up the meaning of the word and I saw lay hands on, guess what happened? My mind immediately went back to Azazel. When the high priest came out and did what? Laid hands on it. So do you see how just looking up the meaning of a word can help to expand the meaning of the text? Amen? Amen. So we can look up the meanings of the words. We can look up the meanings of names. Anybody ever look up the meaning of names? Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful study. You know, Jesus, his name shall be called Jesus because he will do what? 
save his people from their sins. And that's what the name means. So there's context added to there. Here's one of my favorites. I'll give it to you quickly. Um, do you remember uh, when Jesus was brought before the, uh, the crowd and um, they had also brought out another prisoner? Who was that prisoner? Barabbas. Barabbas. And you know what Barabbas, you know what Barabbas' name means? It means son of the father. So think about this then. The Jews are being asked to choose between the son of the father and the son of the father. <laughs> Isn't that something else? One of them is an imposter. But the Jews, because they were devoid of the spirit, could not tell the difference. And they chose the wrong son of the father. Does that ring a bell Amen. of things that are going to happen in the last days? Yes, Satan will appear as Jesus himself, as the son of the father. And much of the Christian world will choose the wrong son of the father. So looking up names is a very important thing as well. In other words, you don't want to turn, you don't want to take anything for granted. Dig the text. I mean, dig into the text. Look at it from every possible angle that you can. And then you want to look at it in, 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 in relation to the big picture. Somebody brought a verse to me uh, uh, today. I believe it's Proverbs 17. Who was it that brought that verse to me? Proverbs 17. Do you remember what the verse said? A wicked man accepts a bribe that he might cause justice to turn away or something to that nature. Now, say again, that he might pervert justice. Now, you know, you read that, that verse and you go, okay, that's just some good advice. But when you think about it in the context of Adam and Eve and the jury, right? And the context of what the devil's trying to do with us, now you can read that verse and see it in a whole new light. He came up to me and said, Pastor, look at this. And I saw it and I, it was like, immediately, it was like, oh yeah, I mean, wow, what? this is it right here. You see, you just took a verse that normally you would have said, oh yeah, this means, you know, nothing, it's just a, but now in light of the big picture, you see that verse in a new light. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Here's what I'm going to do now. And the rest of the time I have remaining, I'm going to take you through a pretty simple, well, maybe not simple, but a study. And uh, I'm going to share with you the process of how God brought this study to me. Let me mention this. Well, here's here. Let's just go ahead and begin with this. So I'm reading the Bible and uh, I have. Lots of Bible stories in my mind. I have lots of concepts because I'm always thinking about concepts and, and stories and how they relate together. And by the way, we should see the Bible as a whole. Amen? The Bible is not written in separate parts that don't connect. Every part connects to the other. Ellen White tells us that we should be able to trace the, whole, the entire theme of the great controversy through the whole Bible. So, one day I'm, you know, just... Don't remember what I was doing. And suddenly, the Spirit of God draws near, I will say, and impresses me with a thought. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the thought is yet, because that thought makes me go, I am going to go to the Bible and see 
if this is so. So what, have, have any of you ever had that happen? Where you just get suddenly, it's like a connection happens, like, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. And then you want to go to the Bible to see if those things are so. I will tell you that perhaps 90% of the time, that's how the Lord leads me in Bible study. Okay, it's because the word of God is already there and then God will just whisper something to me, a a, a thought, a seed. He doesn't give me the whole thing, just a seed. He says, now you go find the rest. Can anybody testify you've had that experience? Okay, so, and of course we want to be careful because we don't want to say God gave us something. How do we know that God didn't give us something if you can't find it where? In the word of God. Okay. So I go to my Bible and I'm now getting ready to study. By the way, I believe this is the most crucial stage. I believe God gives the seed and we simply work with the seed. God gives the thought and then he says, now I want you to exercise your mind around this thought. So I begin with Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. We're not going to read the whole thing, but Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 15 I know, I know the thought that God has given me. And what I'm about to give you now is the end conclusion. In other words, when I would now get up to speak before someone, I would begin by asking them this question. Have you ever read the genealogy, the genealogies in the Bible? Matthew chapter 1, for example, and just been absolutely bored to death and wondered why in the world would God have genealogies like this in the Bible where it's just listing and so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so and you're going, what in the world? <laughs> yeah? Okay, so I am going to give you an answer as to why those begats and begats and begats are so important and in fact such a wonderful powerful illustration, you you will rejoice. And you're going to say, Pastor, how can you find any rejoicing in a genealogy? (laughs) So, here's what I'm going to do now. I now want to begin to study this issue of genealogy. Remember, I know what what the Lord has spoken to me, and I'm now going to see, Lord, are these things so? So the first place I go... It's to the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. Let me tell you, you are working at a little disadvantage because I know where I'm going, but you don't know where I'm going. You understand? But this would not be the case if God has spoken this this thing to you and now you know, okay, I need to go see if this is really so in the Bible. So just bear that in mind. Galatians 3, beginning with verse 7. The Bible says here, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faithful Abraham, or they which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. So this is telling us then basically about the blessing and the promise that had been given to Abraham. You remember what the promise was? Abraham, you're going to be what? The father of a great nation. So in my, in my uh, Bible study, I now go back to the book of Genesis chapter 13 because I want to find, I want to 
20? 10. <laughs> okay. I don't know how I always end up doing this thing. Genesis 13. Beginning with verse 15. The Bible says, For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. So what does God promise Abraham? Two things. Land and a multitude. Right? Now, for the sake of time, we're just going to have to do this, you know, super speed here. How many children? Abraham. He first has who? Ishmael. And he is 100 years old before he has the promised child, which is who? Isaac. And you're going to see something here. I want you to notice with me Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 through 4. Genesis 26, verse 1 through 4. The Bible says, And there was a famine in the land, because of first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gehir. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in the land, and I will bless thee. Right? Or I will be with thee and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. What do you notice here? The promise given to Abraham, was transferred to who? To Isaac. Now, Isaac was the second born. Keep that in mind. Isaac was the second born. Okay? And just to give you a little, you know, inside here. At this point of my, of my study, I'm jumping up and down and I'm screaming. But you're not doing that because you have no idea where I'm going yet. <laughs> I then say, okay, this is verifying just what the Lord told me. So then I want to go on and I want to see, okay, Isaac now has two children himself. Who are they? Esau and Jacob. Who is the firstborn? Who is the secondborn? And who gets the, in other words, do we find anywhere in the Bible where the promise that was given to Abraham and passed on to Isaac is now passed on to Jacob? Absolutely, yes. So what do we see here? The promise or the blessing is a transferable promise. Okay, some of you are beginning to get excited. <laughs> okay, so now uh, 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 Jacob becomes who? Israel, remember? And by the way, can you imagine Abraham going, okay, I have, here's my promised child. I was supposed to be promised a great multitude. I have one child here. Can you imagine that? So come down the line, and now we have uh, Jacob becomes Israel, and Israel has how many sons? Twelve. 
what do you think happens to the promise? It must be transferred to Israel. And what you find happening is now Israel begins to multiply like the sand of the sea. Amen? So each person within Israel is multiplying, isn't he? Everybody within Israel is under this blessing of multiplication. They're multiplying. It's interesting. If you were to look at the book of First Chronicles, chapter 1, all the way through chapter 8 is genealogy. Eight chapters of genealogy. I don't know if you get the significance of that. Has anyone ever read from First Chronicles to First Chronicles one to eight, and just read through eight chapters of genealogy? Had it bored you to death? <laughs> well, from this point, I now look for my transition because I know what God has told me. And so now I go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. Galatians chapter 3, and I want you to notice with me, Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. That the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. There is now a transition in my study. I have now moved, okay, God, I've now moved from the literal to the what? Spiritual. And this now makes it even more clear to me that what God just showed me is absolutely true and amazing. You see, the blessing is transferable. You know, in John chapter 3, Jesus says, except a man be what? Born again, he cannot enter the promised land. Did, are you? <laughs> he cannot enter the kingdom, but the kingdom was, or, or in the Old Testament, Canaan was a type of the what? The kingdom, the promised land. So what are we seeing here? The promises given to Abraham are now applicable to the Gentiles, but only as they accept who? Jesus. Because he is the seed. Just like Isaac was the seed. So watch this then. Jesus says you must be born again. And if you're born again, then the blessings of Abraham come upon you. Amen. What are the blessings of Abraham? Amen. Multiplying, you shall multiply. <laughs> no, you, <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't get it. Multiplying, you shall multiply. Have you ever read in the Bible where you see like John saying, my little children, My little children, I write unto you. When Paul calls uh, Timothy his son. You ever wonder, what's that about? 
What's that about? Could it be possible that when you are born again, you enter a new genealogy? And that every time you witness to someone and bring them into the faith, Listen then, could it be possible, could it be possible that when we get to heaven, there is going to be a gigantic book of begats? Oh, let me jump back to something. The Bible says that the promise went to the second born, right? Did you know that there's an evil twin of you? Okay. <laughs> Did you know that there's an Esau you and a Jacob you? <laughs> the Esau you is the one that was born first. Yeah. Yeah. Who does the promise go to? Beloved, when you are born again, if you are truly under the blessing of Abraham, you will be producing fruit. Offspring. <laughs> be fruitful and multiply. When is the last time you won somebody to Jesus? Are you really under the blessing? Oh, no, no. If you're really under the blessing, you're going to beget somebody. If you're really under the blessing, you're going to be producing offspring. Can you imagine in heaven? <laughs> oh, man. What's your name? Somebody give me a name. Give me your name. Somebody just. Nancy. Nancy. And Nancy begat. And you fill in the blank for the person that you brought to the Lord. Amen. And that person begat. Can you, let me ask you, does it sound, would that, do you think that would sound exciting to be in heaven and to read hundreds and thousands of pages of begats? Amen. Like, wow. So, so what, if it wasn't for him, you mean you wouldn't be here? And you're the one that brought in so-and-so? And you're the one, it was you that witnessed and brought her from the literal line of Adam to the spiritual line of the second Adam? Wow. And now, beloved, we get this picture. We begin to understand that Satan's whole goal is to destroy your lineage. He wants to cut off your offspring. There are people that you and only you can reach. The devil wants to abort your spiritual children. <laughs> he knows that if he takes you out, there are some people in this world that only you could reach. And he says, if I take him out, then I naturally take out those. Are you with me? 
Do you see what we just did? We just went through the Bible. God gave us a seed. We said, oh, is this true? And how did God give us a seed? Were we just minding our own business? No. We had put the word of God into the mind so that God had material to work with. He then said, offspring. Step back. Offspring. It's kind of hazy, Lord. What do you mean? And he says, go and search it. And I go, we go, and we begin to look, linking scripture upon scripture with a big picture being painted before us, looking at the details, and suddenly we find, wow. What a picture. What a picture. Beloved, you can study the Bible for yourselves. God can teach you more in a moment than the learned men in years and years of teaching. I want to encourage you once again. Trust the word of God. Trust the Bible. Trust the spirit of God. And know that God, if you let him, if you will allow him to expand your mind, God can reveal to you the deep things of his word. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking once again to our hearts. Father, we cannot wait to get to heaven to look at the incredible genealogy. The genealogy that will begin with you at the head. We thank you for calling us to be sons and daughters of God. Father, help us. Help us, Lord, to be fruitful and multiply is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com. Thank you and God bless.